Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, and today, today we have with us uh, Rochelle, and we are going to be talking all about sort of this idea of setting sail into the unknown, a year to remember for sure, as we've had a difficult year. And uh, so, welcome, Rochelle, and if you could give a brief introduction as this is the first time you have been on Well Played. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, so my name is Rochelle Denae Poth. I am a Spanish and STEAM teacher. I've also been a French teacher from Pittsburgh, been teaching for a while, and also an attorney and an author and keep myself pretty busy learning and, rela- and doing things all related to education. That is a crazy long resume. <laughs> Well, I, I do like school, and uh, it, it's fun to just keep trying new things and to keep pushing myself. So that's kind of how that all came to be. So where did the attorney thing fall into place? Yeah, that is uh, one of the probably top three questions that I'm often asked. And a lot of people think that I was an attorney first and then went into teaching. But actually, I was a teacher first, and when I couldn't get a job right out of my undergrad, I was only teaching French at the time, and somebody recommended that I should get a second degree or something. So long story short, I went back and got my certification in Spanish, but during that time, I took some courses to become a translator, and part of the work involved doing legal translation, so it started to get me thinking about a career in law, um, even though I was already at that time, at that point, actually teaching for, uh, I think, probably two years when I gave more consideration and then decided to take the test, see if I would even be admitted to law school, got the score, had no idea what it meant, let it go, a couple years went by, and then I decided that I really wanted to give it a shot and see if I could be accepted. And so I applied to a school in Pittsburgh, Duquesne University, because it was the only school that had an evening program since I was teaching full time and uh, went to school four years, four nights a week while teaching. And the rest is kind of history at this point. It's It's been a while since I graduated, but Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's crazy to think back at that type of a schedule that I kept and had to keep being in school literally all day. But I've told people so many times over the last couple of years that I really don't think that had I not gone to law school that I would still be teaching. I just there were so many things that that happened that served to kind of re-engage me in the profession that, that led me to look at teaching in a different light, to experience struggle as a student that kind of, I don't know, gave me some motivation to do things differently. So it totally changed kind of my path that I was probably on. I love that. So actually, that kind of leads us to our topic today. If you think about it, we all were thrown for a little bit of a loop last year. And we we definitely know that things are going to be different this year uh i mean we obviously don't know how they're going to be different so this is where it is kind of journeying into the unknown uh how are you preparing for that just giant question mark to come (laughs) well yeah it's it's kind of interesting that the thing about summer that i love the most is that it's always an opportunity for me to kind of look back at the year prior go to conferences connect think about what did I, what could I do differently in this upcoming year and look at what I did in the prior year. And I don't feel like there's such a summer break. If you go, if you want to call it a break, even at this point, but there's not a a definitive break between the end of this past school year and this upcoming year. And so it's kind of hard to think about 
all right, what do I normally do to prepare for my classes for every school year? And I haven't even been in my classroom since I think the, I don't know, second or third day in March for a 30 minute period of time. And I don't know if I'll get to go back. And so I, I don't even have my mind wrapped around all that I want to do or where I last left off, at least in the normal kind of teaching practice. So what I've been trying to do is think about what I learned about myself as a teacher in those last couple of months of school. And what I learned is that I need to focus more on being mindful of student circumstances, um, of creating better opportunities for students to learn regardless of what the, the tangible class materials are that I have that I feel like I'm so attached to using and create new opportunities. And now as I prepare, even though like you say, I have no idea what it's going to look like. Will we be in our classrooms or not? I'm trying to focus on the things that I know will be effective and helpful regardless of where we are. And so setting up how for my student, how my students can get to know me. If I, I create a video or for their families to get to know me, create a video, newsletter, things that I would normally do in my classroom and what can I kind of prepare ahead of time as best as I can. So I don't know if you, I mean, you obviously know about me and that I love games and whatnot. Um, I don't know if you ever played the old like Oregon Trail video game like way back when, but when I think about our conversation today and, and when it's making me think towards next year, I think about the beginning of that game, there's this this moment where you're still in like your town out east and you go to the store and you have like X number of dollars, I don't remember how much, you have like $1,200 or something and you just have to buy random stuff. but it's like how much of this and how much of that and like, Oh, I'm not going to buy that at all, but you're right. literally buying for the unknown. I have no idea like what the trail is going to give to me this time. And you're like 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the game. And you're like, Oh, I, I should have totally bought that extra <laughs> axle or whatever. And right. I think about this coming year, this, the, and my $1,200 to spend, so to speak is the, the rest of summer. I, I have like five weeks left to sort of that's the money I can spend to -hmm. get ready for this next year. And like you said, there's so many things that under normal circumstances, under normal teaching, I can easily wrap my brain around that. I I don't have to spend a ton of summer thinking through what I'm going to do for that. Usually I spend summer thinking how I'm going to innovate around those products. And now it's almost like even the base lesson plan has to be possibly different because at least for our school, if we're on campus, we're going to be on campus with crazy restrictions. I shouldn't say crazy, very mindful restrictions given the, right. the situation, but crazy under normal circumstances. Absolutely. Uh, and then if we're online, well, then that's totally different. If we're doing some sort of hybrid, we see them some days, don't see them other days. Like all of those are situations that I've never really prepared for. And like you said, the normal things you'd use in those moments don't work so I only have that $1,200 right I only have those little (laughs) bit of time left to sort of pack up and decide how I'm going to build my class and I don't know I'm I'm half excited by that challenge but I'm I'm also like like a little crybaby like I just wanted to be back to normal I know that's that's exactly how I feel too because I in one big piece of it I was thinking about is when our school closed and we have Microsoft, we use Microsoft Teams, not all teachers do. It's not been a widespread district thing. But now, of course, looking forward, we are going to use that. But for me, I teach five different courses. And knowing that not all of my students took their books home and they didn't all have access, and I was trying to think, what can I do? Now, I know a lot about digital tools that are out there, but I was still completely overwhelmed because trying to figure out 
how to do what I was doing in my 40 minutes of class in that virtual space. And I spent so much time trying to just put all of that into the virtual space, which did not work. And so I had Zoom meetings that some students joined in. But the one thing that I've kind of been thinking about too is like, for years, I had my students lined up in desks in in the rows in my classroom, and I didn't really get to know them because of that structure. So I broke away from that. But now as I'm thinking forward, and like you said, the, the restrictions and things that we need to have in place for safety, well, part of that's probably going to be that they need to be in those rows and in that structure again. And I've had a hard time just wrapping my head around how am I still going to create those interactions and opportunities for students and for me, because I really did feel like I was teaching and reaching every single student every single day. And that is a difficult part for me, because I feel like as we move forward, it's going to push us backward. But what can I do to work around that? If that's the structure, okay, then it's on me to create something that's innovative <laughs> to think about how to get back to the way that it kind of was. Yeah, no, it's the weirdest thing I was telling my parents because they were like, are you excited? Because it sounds like Wisconsin's going to go back. And then I explained some of the like restrictions that our school is going to have. Again, I totally am appreciative of those restrictions. But as a just as a teacher, thinking through the, the act of teaching, like you said, uh, I've been at my current position for 12 years. When I got the job, my, my room had all these little individual student desks. When I did the interview, they were all in little rows, right? <laughs> and I mean, the first thing I did when I got there was I got rid of all the desks and <laughs> I got four folding tables. And for 12 years, uh, my kids have been at folding tables, but yeah. they've been always, everything's group, everything's like discuss, you know, turn to your partner. Everything is not singular is the best way I can describe it. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, to think of having desks, I don't know how far apart they're gonna be, but they're they're definitely not gonna be next to each other. And then you then I'm trying to think through the reality of like, even just having a discussion, I'm a social studies class, so I always try to put things in the context of discussing and like having us be social and like, it's, it's about the interactions, it's right. about those public discussions and to think through that now, like I can't even say turn to your partner and talk because I'd have 25 kids sitting three to four feet apart from each other, like literally like yelling at each other their answer. And you can't do that times 20, <laughs> 25. So like, all right, they're in rows. I can't really have them interact. I can't have them build anything. Like I do a lot of those like Quinn Rollins build challenges. Like, well, I can't have them touch any manipulative. So am I really just going to be running an online class in person? Is that, is that really, is that yeah. really what we're talking about? I, I just, as you're talking about it and thinking through in my own classroom, how many different ways I interact with the students interact with each other and the materials and the hands-on it's like, what, what do you do? And for me, when I got rid of those rows, it's kind of funny. Like some of my students wanted to sit in the corner on the floor because it was kind of their own. You want to go work over there? Fine. But sure. in, in letting them do that at first, I was so uncomfortable thinking, what's everybody going to think when they come in and the students are sitting on the desk or sitting on the floor? But then I needed to sit down with them. So it's not uncommon that I'll kneel down and work with them or I'll kneel close to the desk. And I'm thinking, well, how do I do that? And how do the students, when they want to work together, or in my STEAM class where we're using different things like augmented virtual reality, and we have headsets or merge cubes, or does everybody have their own? I mean, how do you make that happen? So it's, yeah, it's uh, it's scary. I mean, there is a piece, 
And I realized this too, is you have to, with all, there, there's a lot of negatives about it, of course, because like, what are we missing out on? What are the students losing out on? Uh, but trying to, at least at the end of the year, I thought, you know what, we need to use this as an opportunity. Maybe it's a, a push that we all needed to try something different and to get rid of doing things that we had been doing. And I was guilty of that for years. I mean, I was teaching the way I had been taught because in my mind it worked for me and I thought, wow, this is great. It's going to work for everybody. But then I realized, no, it doesn't no. work for everybody. <laughs> totally not. Uh, not everybody is like you when it comes to learning a language. And so that's why I started to make a lot of different changes. But having opportunities where, I mean, project-based learning, I'll throw out as an example. I mean, things that enable you to transition back and forth, that give students independence to kind of choose their own path, that don't necessarily rely on a lot of the hands-on materials, manipulatives we might be using in class, even though those are great. But if we can't have those halls, what do we do? What else can we do instead that might lead to the same end result, I guess, is what I'm trying to think through. I don't know. I, I what I appreciate and and we we all need it is sort of that turn towards what is the silver lining. I mean, I am a firm believer there's something to be had in every situation, and right. so I mean we can all lament. There is a bit of a reality to that, so I mean I think it's okay that we spend a moment into the the negative, into the moment of like what, wow, like this is going to be weird. But then, like you said, we gotta like we gotta move towards like well, what are the things we're gonna get from this. And right now, with five weeks left, I think I am going to run, I think I already sort of said it, I think I'm going to run kind of an online class, in class, which is weird. <laughs> but I feel like for both myself and the students, that is a better investment of time because trying to, I guess, innovate how like sitting in rows could be awesome. I know I'm not going back to that. Like I know like the moment this thing's over, like boom, we are back at tables. <laughs> We're back to using Legos like the moment this thing's over. Yeah. So with that said, like I don't I don't really want to like develop a new way to make rows awesome. <laughs> <laughs> rows are awesome. <laughs> so I guess yeah. with that said, like what would be valuable for our students? I, I do think we know for sure, like technology is not going away, right? A lot of times teachers talk about like, hey, we need to prepare them for the future. And the reality is we don't know what the future is, but we definitely know technology is part of it. So mm -hmm. getting them to like understand an online course, getting them to be able to kind of read through like a website and say like, hey, this is, this is the start of the lesson. This is what we're doing. And me teaching sixth grade, having them actually on campus might be that perfect bridge because then we're in person to make sure they understand where everything is how everything works the awkward thing that i just haven't figured out is that relational piece because if you're running an online course you don't have that in-person piece now i have that in-person piece but right. i gotta stay six feet away from you and i'm running basically the equivalent of an online class it'd almost be better just to not be to not be in person because now it's like weird like he's right there but he doesn't care to actually come over here <laughs> but that's a big part of what has been happening in a lot of the conversations lately is people thinking okay why don't we just start the year all online we can plan for that and then just wait and it's, i mean you've seen it too it's back and forth all the social media and everybody's having those conversations and there are a lot of questions tons of questions out there 
some possible answers. And of course, everybody's different. I mean, what I'm experiencing here in Pittsburgh versus what my friend Laura Steinbrink is experiencing in Missouri, totally different. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to, just like our classes, it's not going to be the same for everybody. And what's going to work for you is probably not going to work well for me and vice versa. But it, it is really difficult to try and wrap my head around just the activities the students do together in their class with their classmates when we move through the halls or my students that want to go out and work in the hall because the people in the class are a little bit too loud next to them and they just want a quiet space trying to think back how do i have to pull all that back but you make me laugh when you say oh i can do it online but i'm actually here but i can't talk to you or i can't come near and it's i i don't know i but, but the important thing too is i tended to have some real talk is what we started to call it with my classes when my students would show up. Now, it wasn't mandatory, but I did find across the board that a lot of my students did join in because that was a period of time where they felt like it was a normal class and they could connect, they could see each other. Uh, It was great for me. It was the highlight of my days to log into Zoom and to have those conversations. But with my juniors and seniors who were really struggling because taking AP classes, some getting ready for college and trying to balance everything. I said, you know, not that you wanted your whole entire high school class load to go all online overnight, but I said, you're in this really good opportunity right now that you're getting this experience before going to college where you might have had to just dive right into this and not have that experience with you of how to interact online, of how to manage your time and balance that. And so they really did see a lot of value in that. And even for work in the future, we, we don't know. We couldn't have predicted this. We don't know what it's gonna, what we're going to need, but technology definitely will pay, play a big part of that, I'm sure. And helping our students and ourselves understand how to leverage that appropriately. And um, I think that is a, a big takeaway in this. Yeah, I think the hard thing for educators you mentioned sort of this this online twitter discussion about it all and what i've sort of noticed is i think under normal circumstances teachers even though we have to sort of do what administration wants do what you know the school board wants or whatever there's always a sense of like but but you're sort of you're sort of in charge in that classroom Right. You know, because you get the you get the choice of how that gets rolled out or, you know, like maybe the spin that gets applied to that lesson plan or whatever. And what I hear online is just this realization that like your voice kind of doesn't matter here and you're you're we're going to do it however they're going to do it. Like you said, some districts are starting online, some aren't, some are some halfway, whatever. And I think there's just that there's a sadness that sort of goes with that. And I, my heart sort of goes out to teachers because we are sort of at the mercy of those people's decisions. And I, I have educator friends who are scared to go back. Like they don't, they don't want to put themselves and their family into that kind of risk. Uh, I have others that are dying to go back in the classroom at all expense. Like doesn't matter how socially distanced we have to be. Like the fact that we're together is important. And, it's it's just it's a it's a heartbreaking situation like i said because no one's really happy i guess in in all of it even the one that wants to go back like he wants to go back the way it was and like that's not happening right yeah and it's and i i definitely keep up and and try to read and see what's going on with a lot of our friends on social media facebook the different communities and there is definitely 
a sadness, a lot of, I mean, I'm scared too. I, I, I barely left my neighborhood. I have yeah. not, as of right now, I have not been inside of a store in four months. Dang. Just, who does, who does your shopping? Oh no, you probably have curbside, a Curbside, curbside. Curbside yeah. pickup. Yeah, it gets picked up. But I, I really took it, took it seriously. I mean, one, there, there wasn't anywhere to go. I mean, everything was, was shut down. Um, two, just because I worry with my parents or anybody that I would come in contact with. I mean, how many stories that we hear of people you don't know, you're asymptomatic. And so that is, I, I've really tried to, clearly I've done well of not going a lot of places and leaving, but I know the inclination, I mean, just as an example, people like to hug, right? So you have some students who maybe they come to school and the highlight of their day is they walk in and their first grade teacher greets them all with a high five or a handshake or some of them hug. and that means the world to them and now you can't do that and so it really forces you to rethink so much and it is sad and it is scary it's all of that and i totally i want to be in the classroom too but i am scared because of what it could potentially put me in contact with and then of course with our own families and and all of that and then just all the concerns that I, i don't know it's just there's a lot to consider and uh we don't have any decision yet for my school and around around me i think one school decided to start online and i think they made that decision at least three weeks ago i was surprised that it came out that quickly but i think they just decided to be proactive and if they find out you know what we probably should have waited their their idea is that we're prepared we start online and then we transition and if we have to stay online then we've already been online and and that's that from i mean i am a sixth grade world history teacher that is what i am so this is all above my pay grade but in my opinion i i think that's the way to do it personally like let's and the earlier you call it actually the better like i said that gives you more of those dollars to go back to my analogy to like wrap your head around building that online class right. i do think we're gonna have a second sort of shutdown at least for a school district like i could see a school district having you know, a few cases and they're going to be like, all right, we're going to go online for at least a little bit of time here. And so if we're going to have to pivot that way anyways, I think having all of this time to sort of develop your online course, fill it out, create systems that are easy for whatever grade level that is for you. So you can really think through what is a first grader need online? What is a sixth grader need online compared to that 12th grade AP student? Um, And build that out right, you know? Uh, I, I, I think that's the other reason I'm going towards um, our school. They haven't officially said, but they keep sending emails about like, we think we're going to start on campus and we're going to follow these kind of rules. Uh, so it looks more and more like we are going to start in person. And I think this is what actually leads me to do the online (laughs) course structure, even when I'm in person, because I am convinced we are going to go back online at some point. So yeah. I almost feel worse for the kids if we start one way and then like, and I create some sort of weird socially distanced, but in-person class. And then we have to go to like, well, now I have to reteach you how we're going to do things on my online class. And as a fellow educator, you know that like a big portion of teaching is developing those systems to sort of streamline it so that you don't waste a ton of time. I mean, you want there to have some consistency, some level of understanding of how this class operates so that you can get to those higher tasks, those, those more collaborative skills. Uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, because, I mean, the first time we all did this, nobody, even if you were already teaching online, you still weren't all that prepared for all the extended closures and all of the issues that came with it. And so now having had that experience, we can definitely do better the second time around. So what can we do knowing what we know and thinking through, okay, this didn't work so well, then make that part of the focus. And I think preparing things online, I mean, you're going to have it, whatever you prepare, you can go back to and use at some point. And so it's not like you're going to, I mean, I don't see it as a waste of time mm -hmm. because for me, transitioning back into the physical space, even though now I'm rethinking some of those things I would do in that space, having had that online experience, but what can I do to prepare that can help any of those transitions, even if it happens multiple times throughout the year, which it may, I mean, we just don't know. I certainly hope not, but time will tell. Time will tell. It's scary. It's definitely unnerving. That's it is. the right word. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like you said, I think that there is there is some excitement too, though, like when I do think, okay, so I have told you I'm locking in on this online class structure, how best to knock that out of the park. I, I definitely grabbed some things from last year in terms of some tools to use, some organizational structure. Uh, on this podcast, I've talked about using uh, Google site is really nice to kind of lay it out. I guess that depends on your learning management system, if that's already like easy peasy in yours. Ours isn't the best, so having like a little website that can kind of lay out like your course and what you're doing for the day was really nice. The students really liked that. But ultimately what they said they liked the most, which I think was really cute, one of them on their exit survey wrote, uh, cons in con no, consistently inconsistent. So, and then the, <laughs> she, she further explained that to have that backbone, so to have the website really show them like these are the sites we're going to today, Here's like your homework for the day, you know, and everything linked. You don't just write out like, you know, do this paper. Like you'd, you'd put the link to the paper. You'd put the link to that. Like everything was hyperlinked in one spot. It always followed the same structure. Like I had these three titles and then stuff populated in those three titles. So they knew no matter what lesson it was, you know, everything was consistent. But then what they also said is some teachers that got into a like, hey, I use Nearpod, and then like every lesson was Nearpod, that gets really boring when you're just sitting in your bedroom day after day doing class after class. So they really liked that I was always trying different tools, and while that took some cognitive power, it was also a little interesting, right? If they just continue yeah. to do world history on Nearpod, you know, that's meh. Like, and I love Nearpod. Yeah, me too. But like, so that's no knock on Nearpod, but it, it, fill in the blank with any tool, you know? And there were some yeah. teachers that used Pear Deck every day and like the kids would be like, and then there was one day I actually tried Pear Deck and they were like, no, don't do Pear Deck. And I was like, why not? And they're like, it, it just so happens that all the other sixth grade teachers I work with, that was their tool they used. Oh, that's funny. All the time. And they're like, no, 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 like you cannot, like I, if I have to do another little Pear Deck slide something one way or how do you feel like I'm gonna punch you in the face over this thing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, no more Pear Deck, uh, which is also a great, great product. So it's not a yeah. knock on any of these products. But when you don't have that like personality of being in the classroom that can make it feel different, even if you're using the same tool. Yeah. Online, it does sort of all feel the same, whether you're asking an English question, a French question, or a uh, world history question, if you're still kind of all using the same tool. Yep. So there would be my advice for everyone is like, have some level of consistency so they feel like safe in your 
online classroom, but at the same time, throw throw some wrenches in there occasionally. That's I love the feedback too because the consistently inconsistent and and it's okay to use more than one tool. It's just how do you and the resources? How do you share that with them? And if you have, I used I used Buncee actually for nice. a couple of things to kind of store because you could do so much with it. And the teachers in my school district, we don't have a tech coach, and so whenever the schools close they were looking to, to start something, whether it be an LMS or a larger scale. And that's a lot to take on to try and make a transition that, that quickly. And so having Buncee, they created some different welcome videos or read alouds or check-ins. And it was amazing when I got to see their examples, I was so excited, but so I had that, but I also, because of my five courses I use, I create a Padlet and I had columns for each class and I would put different, I mean, we were using Nearpod and a lot of different tools, but, the students only had to go to that one space, whether yep. it was a new, was Buncee, I guess it was the first one that would link to the Padlet, or I said, if you just bookmarked one of these, you will have everything you need because you can keep updating it. And uh, yeah, so it was it was fun to get their reactions too and, and asking them, you know, what is working for you? What's not working for you? What do you like? And they all really liked having the class meetings. And I said, me too, <laughs> that's my favorite. I think after about 80% of my classes, I think that's a fair statement. I'm gonna say 80% of my classes, I would ask for just quick verbal feedback. How did that go? And you know, you got the little like grid view there and like some kids would just kind of give me a thumbs up. Some mm. kids would raise their hand and want to tell me something, but it was really good to keep in mind like what, and it was clear what was some of their favorites. And then it was just in the back of your mind, like I could build another one of those activities, you know? And so, you know, three days later, all of a sudden that, that activity would kind of reappear and they were pretty excited, right? So like, don't be afraid to ask kids and and they all know like that this is unprecedented right so like you're not i know sometimes teachers always want to present themselves like they they know you know i went to school i have a degree i know what i'm doing and so like you never want to like show that like other side sometimes but this is like probably the safest time for you to sort of say like guys like we're in this together so for those of you that are starting online or whatever ask the questions like what's working what do you like what what tool and again it could be two seconds it doesn't have to be an you know eight question google form <laughs> right. you have to pour over just uh you know hey we tried this new tool hey for those of you that have never tried nearpod great thing to try and you try it and you're like what'd you guys think did you like that you know and they'll be like it was good it was terrible whatever but it's like <laughs> your your feedback is pretty powerful because ultimately it's their class right that's uh with some of mine it was just funny to get their responses and you say i mean people tend to think we're the experts right but more often lately i've been saying oh i have no idea how this is supposed to work to them because it's good for them to see that it's okay to not know the answer it's okay to not know everything and i'll say i don't really know we'll just we'll see if it works and if it doesn't okay and sometimes they said what were we supposed to get out of that i went well I don't know. It didn't, it didn't go as didn't I go planned, as, yeah. but, and then I'll say, but do you have a better idea? Do you have a better way? And yeah, they do. They have a lot of great ideas. So it's just, it's fun having those conversations, but you have to open yourself up to that. And I didn't for the longest time. Uh, so no, it's really good advice. Like the kids are, they're, they're kind of experts at being students, right? Cause they do it all the time. Right. So uh, we now have reflection time, so I got to ask you today's quote, uh, okay. and we'll see how this spins given the the topic we have. This one is attributed to just the internet. There's there's no author to this one, and here it is. Here we go. Getting out of the comfortable path 
that's what exploration is all about. Oh, I like that one. I'm going to have to add that to my, my list. Yeah. So whatever, I mean, that's perfect for our whole experience, right? If you've been comfortable every day when you come to your classroom and you're, however you run your class or your interactions or whatever you're doing as far as instruction has been comfortable. Okay. That's nice. But we've kind of gotten bounced off of that path, I think. And so have to kind of put ourselves out there and see what we can find and you never know, but you have to look. Yeah, I just, I love the quote. I love the idea that, you know, we, we there's a reason it's comfortable because it works, right? Like you you, you rarely settle, settle into comfort when it doesn't work, right? So it's understandable that you've developed a class, you've, you've run it the same way because it works. But there's a thing that I absolutely love about exploration and, and sort of the heart of an explorer is they truly believe deep down there's always something better out there. And that restless spirit to sort of look around the corner, uh, it's gonna come with some lows, but it's gonna come with some pretty high highs. And as you said, if you take time in that summer to sort of reflect over that and then retool yourself so that you kind of experience more of those highs and you know you move your course to something better and maybe settle into a new comfort but that comfort's better than the old comfort, right? And then right. hopefully that restless spirit comes up again and causes you to like have some highs and lows, but then reflect <laughs> over those and just move that comfort zone to a better spot every time. Yep. Still learning, always learning, highs oh, and lows. <laughs> always learning. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Well Played. It's been a delight having you. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem. Everyone else, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it, it is always a pleasure and an honor to have you guys on each and every week listening. Uh, the podcast is growing and growing, so thank you for sharing it out with your friends. And I see it on Twitter when people say, did you check this episode out? Always an honor to see that. You know Hive Summit is coming up, so hopefully you've signed up and hopefully you've sent that off to your friends uh, to, to come join you at Hive Summit. We have some great uh, people on there. Uh, but that's all we have for today, so take care and play on. <laughs>